Hi, my name is Galen, and I feel very much one with imposter syndrome. Hey, all right. If that made sense, I'm not sure. It doesn't matter. It does because that's the imposter talking. It doesn't matter if it makes sense. It's just how you feel, and I everything feel like... you feel is valid. And it's just these voices in my head that tell me I am better off giving up or giving in instead of letting people down. And now these forces pull me in and make me stay in bed instead of getting up and convincing me that the morning's not my friend. And I know that I'm not. The only one who's got these voices that they try to hide away. What's happening, all my imposters? Thank you very much for joining me on episode number six. Uh, this one is going to be a treat uh, for me. This one's for me. Uh, on the podcast today is a longtime friend of mine, Galen Sedlak. Uh, he is one of the singers for a YouTube channel called Super Simple Songs. Now, for anybody who does not know what Super Simple Songs is, uh, it's basically, it's a toddler slash baby show on YouTube. So when my wife and I had our son, uh, we watched Super Simple Songs just constantly. It was pretty much on every TV at all times of the day and night, all the time. And as much as you would think that that might drive you nuts, um, no, because just <laughs> their animations were enjoyable. Their stories were enjoyable. The songs weren't too over the top and, and too like way too babyish or way too annoying or anything. I know some parents kind of really could get sick of Baby Shark. They had their own version of Baby Shark, but it was far more uh, subdued and chill. And uh, uh, their songs were just super catchy and fun. On top of that, they also have what's called Super Simple TV which those TV shows ruled. I've said to my wife several times, uh, when our son outgrows Super Simple, I will still probably be watching those shows to see how they progress. Carl's Car Wash, Mr. Monkey Monkey Mechanic, Bumble Numbs, so many great things on that, on that YouTube channel. If you have not heard of Super Simple and you do have kids, or if, I don't know, you just like watching cartoons, whatever, check those out. But Galen is uh, the vocalist. Uh, he's the singer for Super Simple Songs on, on numerous amount of songs. So this one is going to be a treat for me to talk to him. Uh, what's happening for me today? How do I feel about imposter syndrome on episode number six? Um, you know what? An interesting thing uh, uh, dawned on me yesterday while I was thinking about uh, um, imposter syndrome. And I was thinking about the podcast, thinking about a bunch of things. And I, I've talked about this before in previous episodes. And in, in the first episode or two, I talked about the fact that my biggest fear was get who would want to be on the podcast. Then people started saying yes. And I was booking the episodes. And then my next thing turned to, well, who's going to ever want to listen to the podcast? Now, I don't know if there are any listeners out there yet, because I haven't posted any of these episodes yet. These there's like probably gonna be eight or 10 episodes pre recorded before I even release the first one. So when I say what's going on my imposters, I'm just guessing if there are people watching, I have no idea if there are. 
Um, but I went from being uh, being worried or, or, or thinking too much about people being on to then worrying, being thinking too much about who would ever want to watch it. And now the new thing that my brain has gone to is, oh, no, now I have to make this two things. First of all, I have to try to make this thing like every single period that I post it. I don't know if it's going to be weekly or biweekly or monthly. I have no idea just yet. I haven't quite figured that out. Um, but I have to then think about the content I'm going to have to continue after the momentum of these number of people, uh, I finish up interviews with them. Um, that was the first thing I have to keep continuously posting was my one, uh, thought process in my head. The second thing I thought in my head was now you're doing eight. This is fantastic. Like I'm on my eighth episode. This is number six right now, but I've done eight at this point. Um, I started thinking to myself, well, now you have to be good at this. Now you have to get like crazy. You have to get the Beatles on your show. You have to get something crazy on, on, on this podcast and whatnot. And my brain immediately just shot to, you have to be the best now. Okay. Well, if you wanted this, I warned you not to take it, but if you want this now, you got it. Now you got to be better than every podcast ever in existence, which again, that's, that's just part of my imposter syndrome, just playing with my brain and another example of watching it change the narrative watching my my negative thought process just change and focus to something else which makes me realize that you know i've heard people say you just have to if if you're in a rut if you're depressed or, or or whatever and you're in a rut you just have to push yourself forward and what it's made me realize is that okay yeah so i'm pushing myself forward which is great I finished the theme song to the to the podcast. I, I've made the kind of a poster of the podcast, whatever else. And I've, I've done eight episodes. Great. But the sheer aspect of just moving forward has not resolved my imposter syndrome and it has not made it any better or easier. It just changes what it focuses on and 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 what it kind of what it kind of obsesses about or worries about in certain cases. So I don't think necessarily moving forward is the answer when you're feeling depressed or you feel like an imposter. I think in, in, in this case, what it really shows is that when you focus on negative thoughts, you will continue to focus on negative thoughts because when you have these negative thoughts, when you have this, this struggle with imposter syndrome, it it can really, it can really ruin your capability of pushing yourself forward. It can really ruin your capability of, of coming up with new ideas or following through with them and pushing yourself forward. Even sometimes just getting, getting, convincing yourself to get up out of bed, get dressed and move with your day can be difficult. Uh, so what I'm focusing on is the fact that I had an idea, I followed it through and I completed it. And if I continue to do so, great. If I don't, at the very least, I did it. I'm now the best podcaster that I can be already at this point, because I wasn't one before. I had never done it before. And now that I'm doing it, I'm already the best podcaster I've ever been. Yes, nothing before, kind of doing it now, but that's something. And 
to look at it that way is kind of comedic to me in a sense, but that's how the positive aspect works for me. It works for my, my brain to process that, to be like, yeah, okay. You, ha ha ha. Is sure you weren't one before you're doing it now. I guess that's true. That works fine. And it, it works for my brain. And I'm interested again, just to see how this progresses. I'm starting to edit episodes. I just finished editing episode number two, which is technically episode number one, because number one's not working right at the moment. Uh, that's a whole thing in itself. Um, but uh, I'm interested to see, again, how my thought process develops over time on imposter syndrome further. But we can't focus on that because we have important business to do today. Because today on my podcast, Imposter Syndrome, we have my friend. I'm so happy to see him here. Please welcome Galen Sedlak. Galen? Thank you for being here. It's it's interesting that people look at that internal struggle and go, oh, it's imposter syndrome. I must be an imposter. I must have tricked people. That's how I got here. So you had mentioned the concept of yes. not belonging here or not deserving it. It's almost as if you think I got here because I fooled everybody. And it's only a matter of time before somebody catches me if I slip up one time and then you know, the people in trench coats come and take me away and be like, oh, we caught you. Uh, yes. That aspect. Right. And that's that's not how it works. No, it's not how it works. And but it feels like that. It really, truly does feel like the 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 the, the man is going to be watching you and people are, and everyone's got a mm -hmm. collective eye on you waiting for the moment where you reveal I'm not actually I don't actually belong here or that I don't um, actually know anything in this field. Mm -hmm. And and then you get yeah taken away or you get revealed in that, some way. Yeah, that happened to me panic when I, that happens. Yeah, that happened to me when I first started teaching. So when I first started teaching, I got hired at uh, at the school. One thing that ended up happening to me was two of the other people that were hired had their masters in music they went to school for music or at right. least they had their like some kind of degree in music some something right and for me it's not to say that i didn't do anything i toured north america i had some songs on radio whatever else and it was nothing it's the same thing when i tell students that i'm like yeah i had some songs on the radio They're like oh anything i would know no <laughs> not a thing you would know not a thing you've ever heard ever no. so i always looked at myself as if like i never did enough or achieved enough to deserve to be here when all these other people have like these degrees on the wall and like they have at least the the piece of paper to say this person knows what they're talking right. about i don't have any of that right or at least i didn't feel like i did meanwhile you've been collecting the same knowledge that everyone else might have with a degree without a degree with their masters without and you've collected just the same amount of information if not it's more valuable because you've come about it in a in your own way in your own time mm -hmm. and that's that is i agree that that's not valued as much as it should be it it, it it's not but it's interesting because even too when i started working with students um after a while like i, I was kind of i was kind of told don't ever let people know you don't know what you're talking about don't let people know that like you don't know things or you're not knowledge or you're not 
uh, um, experienced in certain things. Don't ever, don't ever show that card because then they lose their trust in you. And <laughs> shortly after I started, I was like, nah, you know what? I'm not doing it that way. I'm going to tell them if I don't know something. I will also tell them I don't know it, but ask me again next week. And I will. And I'd, I'd go home right. and I'd study, I'd study the heck out of it. And over the years, what I have found is when I tell students about my experience and not having the certificate or the degree in certain things, none of them go like, well, then how are you qualified to do this? I tell them the other things I've done and they're like, oh, wow, yeah. And then it's just, let's go. And the trust is already there. So it's almost like the industry itself for teaching anyways, doesn't take the experience seriously enough. But I have not once had a, had a student question that. Because once they see it, they see, they, they realize, they see past, the, they might even realize that, oh, I, I don't really need to, they might even realize why they're asking that question and go, why do I need to see a degree? What, what's the, what, what qualification would convince me that this person's, that, that I trust my voice with this person enough. Uh, yeah, what qualification would convince me that this person can teach me well? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm sure you've seen it yourself as a teacher. There are some people who have the qualifications, but teaching just isn't for them. They, they, yeah. they just, they don't connect with students as well, or they don't know how to explain things as well, or whatever the case is. Yes. You know, so you can have it all, and still not have what it what's needed for this kind of for this kind of job. Exactly. And for a lot of people teaching isn't isn't for them. They they might feel they might feel the imposter syndrome and then actually just realize it's not for them. That that might be the first feeling they have and realize that oh actually this is making me feel burned out very quickly hmm. and or it's making me feel just not great or that I'm getting frustrated really quickly. And I think that's a really good indicator that you're not in the right place, which is, I think, very different from imposter syndrome, where imposter syndrome comes about because you really want to be here. You really want to be in the field that you're in, but you don't feel like you belong because you've wanted it so long, but you don't, you didn't get there in the way that you thought you would. That's a huge part of it. That part of it is just working, 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 working. Some part of it is luck. And then decisions that you've made get you to a thing but it's not necessarily what you specifically planned out to do because that's if i understand how you landed super simple that's right because we talked about voice acting for a while before and it wasn't all of a sudden you're like i'm gonna set up a reel and i'm gonna do da -da 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 -da. like how did you get to that land that land that spot yeah and for for anyone listening that doesn't know Super Simple, uh, it's a Super Simple Songs on YouTube, and it's uh, kids music. So mm -hmm. it's all, it's an animated series with uh, with many different voice actors on there. They've got some TV shows, um, and they've got a lot of one-off songs with uh, with returning characters uh, animated, anim mm -hmm. with returning animated characters. Um, uh, you know, for example, one of the characters is called Noodle and Pals, and so there's a they're the shape of like a squiggly noodle, and then there's all these different shapes and and uh, colored um, animation characters, mm -hmm. animated characters. Um, so super simple. I got from 
uh, what I was doing before that was telling everyone that I wanted to get into voice acting and talking about it a lot. And so that one in particular, I didn't have a reel together yet. Uh, and I didn't really have anything yet. And it was just a conversation I had with someone I used to go to school with. And we just happened to hit upon the fact that she was working as a sound engineer for this company. And I said, I'm looking to do some voice acting. Just, just, we were just making small talk. Yeah. And she ended up saying, well, we need, we just had a voice actor that left who's doing singing. And, and I think that I know I've heard you sing before. That would be great um, to, to have you, to have you on there. So I had to send an audition. She checked with them and then, and then I was, and then I had it. And I felt kind of like I, it was a bit of a cheat code. And this is one of many gigs that I have, of course. It's not just the, the only one yeah. that I have. I also teach and I, I do any, any, any singing gig that I have that I can, you know, pay the bills with, but, uh, mm -hmm. or have fun and be part of a project. Sometimes sure. it's not to do with paying the bills. Sometimes it's just fun. <laughs> um, but this, yeah, this fell in my lap and I, and that was a lucky situation. Um, but I happened because I was talking about it all the time and I told people around me that I wanted to do it. And sometimes that works. Sometimes you mm -hmm. can talk about it for, for years and nothing will happen. But that one time you, you mention it and you just happen to get lucky and, and, and land that gig. I think that's the thing. When people talk about the fact that like make, making it in the yeah. industry um, it is based off of luck and that is true but it's based off of years and years and years and years and years of hard work and practice and all these things and then once you have all that accumulation of skills it takes that that one luck moment to then send you the next bit and that's that's yeah. part of it right so you've done everything in the past to gain the skills to earn the capability of doing the audition and doing the job but it took that luck of the draw of the conversation to then get the opportunity to do so. Yeah, with someone who I hadn't really spoken with since school. Mm -hmm. Another factor, of course, uh, with getting a, a gig like that is is knowing people and just happen, ha happening to have known yeah. people that are now doing things. And even if you didn't keep that relationship up, if you this this person knew me from school, she knew that I sang, and that my voice would suit kids' songs. So yes, and that, the, the funny yeah. thing is, is when when you talked about having the audition, and I I came home and I was I was talking to to Jen, and she was like, I can see his voice on that show. Like his voice just works for that right. show, um, and uh, you know that's it. Just it seemed to be a piece of a puzzle that just fit so perfectly that you would think it was manufactured to get to that point. But part of that is that luck. Uh, yes. Yeah. Part of it is the luck. Um, it, and it just, it fit in this scenario. Um, and of course I was open to it. So that's the biggest thing that's being open thing. and excited to do something. And uh, I think that's one of the biggest parts of it is that you're talking about doing something and then when someone offers you the opportunity, you just take it mm -hmm. um, and you go, yes, I will do that. And you, and you show up and you have, you do everything you can. Um, the only thing I could have done 
more or had prepared is maybe had that reel ready or sure. had some some kind of shown that I was already working towards it, um, which uh, I then did a, a workshop shortly after that, um, a voiceover workshop for commercial voiceover and um, a paid workshop and where I where we recorded a reel mm -hmm. and that was my first first reel and I'm I'm going to be working on my my second soon uh, so I can start that up. But really, other than that, um, it's a good example of of luck because it happened once that one yeah. gig and it gave me a bunch of other super simple songs gigs, but no other voiceover work has come since then. So it really is. This is the 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 valley in the the peaks and valleys of having work and then not having work. You have work and your your sound. It sounds like you you're you're there. You made it. Wow! I feel like I made it. And then nothing for months or yeah. or a year. And so right now I'm in that little valley where I'm waiting for that next thing where I'm going to have that next conversation with someone, mm -hmm. and I'll just happen to stumble upon something, or it won't be a chance, and the next gig will be me actively pursuing it, sending my reel sure. out, probably getting said no to. A thousand times doing a bunch of auditions and I'll land yep. one out of a hundred and that's that's the next step and there, there's just so many peaks and valleys in this that I think one thing that a lot of artists can get caught up in is when they're in the valley they think they're failing they think they're not doing enough they think they're doing this but it's it's right. it is part of the it's you're riding the wave and you're part of that process and it's one of the reasons why I tell students all the time you have to not be fully like make your goal, but don't be fully focused on it. Enjoy the process of getting there because the the valleys are inevitable. It's not a question of if you'll have them. It is a question of when you'll have them and then how you how you deal with them is is really important for the future of you staying in this career. Yes, it's how you deal with the with with the moments where you're not doing a lot of work or where or where you're not getting paid for the work that you're doing been there it's the moments where you're not getting paid to do what you're doing or the moments where you don't have a a, a big shiny mm -hmm. performance coming up or a recording session or it's those moments where you're just working at and and doing life and doing small things that that progress you along or you're doing some kind of training yep that, that will get you what you need to get but it doesn't yeah. feel like much you're like oh who am i i'm just taking this training and then but a year of doing that all combined all of a sudden you've got all this time where you've been thinking about let's say your voice for singing mm -hmm. you've been thinking about your voice you've been thinking about uh technique you've been taking trainings for how to teach and and uh developing your skills as a teacher and then by the end of that year you might not feel any different but you've got all this experience behind you that you were all yeah. doing in that in that valley that that we weren't doing doing a lot of work that you thought was worth anything but yeah that work was just it was all behind the scenes work that builds up into you being really confident mm -hmm. when you do get that opportunity yeah um, it does take all of that that time within that valley to build up to get to the peak because you're, you're basically like, maybe that's a good point. Maybe it's not the fact that it's hills and valleys. Maybe it's not the fact that it's a wave. Maybe it's the fact that you're building something and then you're, you climb down it and then you have to build another thing to climb. Like all your experience constantly builds up to give you the peak. It's not mm -hmm. like you just sit around and just hope something happens. 
there's a lot of stuff that happens uh, with that aspect of, of having to build within those valleys. Right. Mm-hmm. Something, uh, if we're talking imposter syndrome, then recently I had something where I felt a lot like an imposter, um, where I got hired for um, a performance of, it was basically a jazz choir, and I hadn't sung jazz choral music mm-hmm. uh, with a big band um, in a long time since I was in college for studying jazz. and. Yeah. I wasn't even really good at jazz when I was in school. Um, I was in a jazz program having never sung jazz before. My experience was listening to Michael Bublé jazz standards. Mm -hmm. And that's what helped me in my first few years. And if we're talking imposter syndrome again, that was my first time feeling imposter syndrome in college. Yeah. Uh, the second I left high school thinking, oh, I've got a pretty good voice. And then I went and I saw a bunch of other people that had pretty good voices and a lot more people that had brilliant voices who had been yes. studying and who were full on musicians performing, doing gigs. They were in, um, for example, the all-star Toronto big band. They were already doing that through, throughout high school. They were in music programs that that helped them get into the program. Um, and lots of vocalists who had had a lot more training and skill and were more prepared for the program than I was. I joined that thinking I was a pretty good singer mm-hmm. and immediately I entered one of those down uh, kind of a, a a valley, I guess, what you'd call it, like the bottom yeah. of the hill. And I was immediately thinking I was, oh, I, I got this. And then pretty quickly felt like I don't have this at all. What am I doing here at this school? Um, I barely made made it in with the audition. Uh, I didn't have any theory knowledge or very little. Um, I had only played some violin before, which luckily I had some basic theory knowledge and knew some of the notes on the on the music staff. Um, but I was pretty shaky on that. Even the stuff I did know, I was shaky. So entering this world of singing jazz, I was completely out of my league and Um, Felt like that throughout the entire time I was at school. So I was feeling constant imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. um, throughout all through college. And I think got really good at um, faking it. Faking it till you make it kind of thing. Faking it till you make it. Yeah. And people say this all the time. Yep. Um, And it's not a great feeling to to fake it until you make it. It feels false. It feels like... It, it makes you feel like you're an imposter because you're, it's anxiety. the whole thing is you're faking it. Yeah, it's um, anxiety-ridden. Yeah, it's anxiety-ridden. And it's, yeah, it's not fun. But um, it's got faking it while you're trying to make it, uh, it. It has some, it's got some validity to it. And it says that you can start the thing that you're, you're you can be the person you're trying to be. You can start the career you're trying to start now before you feel like you're ready or prepared. Well, I think the thing that's happening when when you are faking it, you are not faking it. That's called learning. <laughs> like there's a sense of like n- like naivete when you go into that program, being like, hey, "I have a voice, I'll try this," and then you go into it. And then everyone has one, and some people are like over the moon have one, and then exactly. all of a sudden you're like, "Oh no, I don't belong here," and then you start to fake it. It's not faking it. You start to learn. You start to better yourself. You start to, uh, uh, with education, with skill, with all these kind of things. And that's the part of faking it 
So you're just, it's not faking it till you make it. It's learning till you make it. Right. Is a big part of it. That's a really good point. Because if I saw someone else doing that, if I was a teacher seeing this, uh, a kid come in and, well, I am a teacher, but maybe at a faculty of music. Yeah. And if I yeah. saw me come in with not a lot of experience, I would never imagine that this kid is faking anything. I just go, this kid is new to this and they want to learn and I can clearly see they want to work hard and they're going to, that's absolutely right. I would never think that someone's faking something, but when you're the one in there and everyone around you is a different level than you are and you know that, and it's, it's just a fact mm -hmm. that there's people that are better than you there, which is good. Sure. Um, but it's a fact that there's people that are better than you there. And when you're in that position, when you're feeling that, it feels like you're faking it because people are talking about things you don't know about and you laugh with them. You laugh at all the same jokes. Um, let's say it's a music joke and someone goes, mm -hmm. oh, you know, this chord, they, someone plays a chord and they go, oh, that flat five is really, really smacking or really hitting. <laughs> And you and you and you listen to the chord and you're and you hear it, but you're like, I don't know, it didn't really I don't know what that is. I don't know what a flat five chord is. I don't know what the flat five in the chord means. Sure. Um, I guess that's that the reaction that you had is what I should have had. So then you 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 kind of go along with that. And so uh I might have gone a little off topic there, but you're good. This is exactly what that is. Imposter syndrome felt like to me. Yes. It wasn't just my skill level in the field it was it was socially as well fitting in especially in a school with everyone around you having a different um relationship to yeah. the to the field that you're in or the the instrument you're trying to learn or a better understanding of theory and talking about things you don't know about and mm -hmm. you're and you and in order to fit in you laugh along with them or else you would stand out. Yes. There's, so there's, that, there's that aspect of trying to camouflage yourself into yes. their society and into their community and pretending like you hear the, the flat five joke and you go, ha, 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 and you, yeah. <laughs> you don't get it. Um, and, yeah. and, and that's a part of that, right? So all of a sudden, the, the big problem is, is you look at everyone else and you think to yourself, like, these people are so good. Or by the end of the program, you're like, look at how much better these people got. You never thought faking it for them at all whatsoever. But I think it's because of the fact that we're all so good at hiding that sensation of faking it. We're, we all look like we're put together. Because as you said, when you're doing it yourself, you're faking it. When they're doing it, they're learning, they're trying, they're, they're inspiring, they're all these things that you don't give yourself those traits. And I think that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast was to let people know that when you are in that group and they say that that funny flat five joke and you don't get it, that's okay. You can learn eventually and figure that out. Uh, yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're an imposter in there because they're all trying to keep it together just as much as you are. Yeah. And they learned that little piece of theory that made them hear that chord and go, oh, wow, that's a cool thing that that mm. musician just played. They maybe learned that a month ago. Yeah, legitimately. Or some of them might be like, might have the, oh, <laughs> here's the funny. 
and then they don't know it themselves. They just just reacted to it in a more natural way because that's them faking it. Uh, there could be that's so right. many different ways in that sense. I know one of the things I used to do early on uh, when I was in my improv comedy days is that if there was a moment where I felt like I I was slipping or didn't feel like I was fitting in or felt imposter like felt like I was faking it, I would start relying on being funny because that's ah. entertaining. And when you're entertaining, you look confident. So then it would hide my my feelings of, you know, feeling like I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know what sh I should do next. I don't know what this is. I don't know what that is. Or I look at this person and go, they're so much of a, of a better teacher or so much of a better singer or whatever else. Um, and I would I would constantly fall back on that to try to cover that. But as I've realized over the years, it's okay. I, there's no possible way to know everything. There's no possible way. And I think one of the reasons why that happened to me, I was in a, a master class last year, two years ago. Um, hmm. And it was with a bunch of like doctors. <laughs> That's right. And it was, I kind of felt like I was like, oh no, I am the fish out of water in this sense right at the moment right. that has put on a, a human suit and is standing there suffocating with their gills, can't breathing air. And it turned out as I was sitting there and like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to research. I'm going to know everything. There's no possibly I'm going to know more than a doctor. <laughs> There's not a chance. And I had to have that moment of humbling myself to be like, okay, I'm probably going to come last in the grades in this, in this little workshop here. That's fine. As long as I learn more, it's all that matters. Yeah, exactly. And meanwhile, the other side of that is that you're the only one who's not there in the medical profession. You're there as a vocal teacher mm -hmm. and a singer. Mm -hmm. And you're coming in there and you're like, hey, let's let's take these medical these medical terms, this this medical uh base of knowledge mm -hmm. and let's see what it what happens when it hits uh an everyday vocal coach. Yeah. Teaching everyday people and artists how to use their voice. And so that's extremely important for someone like you to be there in that field, in that room of doctors, learning from a perspective of not medicine, but voice training. Yeah, that there, there was a moment, <laughs> there, was, there was a lot of moments, but there was one moment in particular uh, that was, it was like one of the first ones where they were talking about stuff and they mentioned something. And the thing that they mentioned it was one of those things like, so we have this thing. Everybody knows that. Okay. So we have this thing. We go on and they went through this whole explanation. And during the whole explanation, I was like, I have no idea what's going on right now. And at mm -hmm. the end, she was like, how does everybody feel? And I was like, I just put my hand up. I was like, remember that thing? Because you said, we, we know this thing, right? And then you glazed over it. She yeah, I, I don't know what that is. <laughs> so I understood nothing you just said for the last five minutes. <laughs> and then she had to go like, oh yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't know that right yeah and if i wouldn't have said anything she and great wonderfully she took a couple seconds to explain what that was give a quick overlay of what she talked about and instantly i was like okay i i i got that i'm i i understand that if i wouldn't have said anything i could have been left behind for the whole rest of the course <laughs> yeah and that one minute explanation that she gave you immediately set you up to be able to pay attention for the rest of that class but if you were too afraid, if you had to fake that you knew mm -hmm. what everyone else knew about, oh, you know what that thing is? Sure. I know mm -hmm. what that thing is. Yeah. Got no clue. Um, 
then you yeah you would have been that would have been at the detriment of your own learning yes so faking it it's not helpful at all no and and completely doesn't help you it completely admitting that you have imposter syndrome or admitting that you don't know something that in that case like you said one extra minute and it's set success up for the rest of the time versus going like ha yay i know that and then you're completely lost for the rest of the time and i think that is a really important aspect of us all admitting that you know we are learning we are growing we we have collected all this experience and all this knowledge over this time but we still strive to learn which is part of the aspect of of faking it we still strive to learn more and it's okay not to know everything you know yes uh, with and i think it's time to leave behind that kid who was in music school laughing along to the joke that everyone knew <laughs> i think it's time that i can we can leave him behind yes I... and move on to asking the question that you asked in that very stressful environment sure where you're the only one asking the question because you just need to know you you you've talked about the the concept of going to college and having that first experience and having is is super simple that most recent experience that you felt with imposter syndrome or you're feeling it now in the valley i'm feeling i'm feeling that the most recent example of imposter syndrome would be the performance that i got hired for where i had to sing in that jazz choir that one there yeah yeah and so the idea is that i was one of four voices in a in a jazz chorus and i really had no idea what i was doing i was singing along to music that was difficult to hear the note that you're supposed to sing mm -hmm. um they're playing these complex chords that i i don't really know the name of sure and i had to learn the best way that i could differently than everyone else where someone might understand what part of the chord they're playing they're singing and kind of math it out from there mm -hmm. i learned just by pure ear i just learned my part singing along with all those other voices those complex the complex harmony that we're singing i learned my own melody as it moved through that um that's that's the aspect of the faking it yeah you you're learning and i think one of the important things of how that ties in with with college is in college you don't learn how to become a pro you learn how to learn and i think from all that experience there then brought you to that process of being able to by ear figuring stuff out where you need to be what you need to do and that faking it is that specifically yeah and you're in there and you might be surrounded by people that know more than you and are better at their the craft than you and have more experience mm -hmm. doing this specific thing um and luckily i was able to not have to feel too much like i was faking it so i was able to i think even though i had the feeling of i'm an imposter here i don't belong here i said to myself i i do belong here because I've done this. I, I, I have sung before. Yeah. I know how to sing. And this is something I haven't done before, particularly. 
or haven't done for a long time, but I can learn how to do it. Yeah. Um, and to, and as another point there, yeah. I, I actually didn't almost didn't take the, the, the gig. I almost didn't take it because, because I, because of that feeling. I thought I looked at the music. I said, this is too hard. This is not what I normally do. My skill is singing pop songs, kid songs, things that I'm familiar with, um, mm -hmm. things that where I, I know what I'm singing. I'm singing like maybe the, the lead voice in, um, in a, in a simple song. Sure. Um, you know, simple and repetitive melodies. Exactly. And I know how to train people how to sing R&B, pop, soul, yeah. jazz, you know, but singing this level of complex music, I looked at the, at the music, I listened to it and I thought, no way they have the wrong person. Mm -hmm. I think they, she sent this to me by mistake. I think there was no one else available and I, I'm probably going to say no. And luckily I have a very supportive girlfriend who <laughs> helped me to, to take the gig. And she really supported me through that and said, I needed someone else to tell me that I should take it. I was not going to take it on my own. I was okay. about to email this composer back and say, you got the wrong person. I'll yeah. help you find someone else. I know some other singers that are really good with this. And I almost lost out on a performance opportunity and, yeah. and, and a chance to grow and a chance to grow. And I, and I did. And so I think, uh, my girlfriend for supporting me and for I'm really lucky that I had the external person to tell me to go for that. And next time I think I'm going to try to be that for myself. It's I'm so going to try to be the person that tells me, Hey, you think you can't do this, but you actually can. Yes. Was the school your first teaching job? The school was my third teaching job. Okay. When you got your, your first one, or even that one, did you have moments of coming into that space and being like, oh no, I have to be the expert in this. This is so much pressure. This is too much. I don't know if I can handle this. And then someone asks you a question and you give them an answer and then they leave. And then you immediately think like, oh, was that the right thing? I don't know. Yeah. I, and I still feel that all the time because of the multitude of different people's experiences that come in. Yes. Um, different types of voices, people with different experiences with their voice. Um, sometimes they are coming in with something I've never experienced before mm -hmm. or the things that I'm telling them to do, how to, you know, example, for example, something we work with all the time, how to reduce tension when you're singing. Sure. Very specific example in our field. Um, a lot of singers coming in with tension, you show them the exercises that you use to detension your voice mm -hmm. and it's still there. <laughs> and so this happens all the time to me where I hit a wall. Yes. And at first I, when I first started teaching, that was big imposter syndrome because I said, oh no, the thing I told them to do isn't working. They're going to immediately not trust me anymore. Mm -hmm. Whereas now, because I've done that so many times and I've, I've learned some more exercises that work sure. for more types of voices of now. But I still, even though I know more exercises, I still run into that issue. The difference is I treat it as an experiment. And instead of thinking I've done something wrong, I say, we, we just hit the problem again. We go, okay, mm -hmm. that didn't work. Great. Let's try a different thing. Because mm -hmm. the thing that I told you as the teacher 
as the expert in the room, as we said, we don't, it, it didn't work. Yeah. The thing that I told you to do didn't work. So now I've lost all of my, so we, we could do, we could say two things. I've lost all of my credibility. Sure. I've been now there. You will, you'll no longer trust me to be your teacher <laughs> or stick with me because I think something else is going to work. And the cool thing is I don't have confidence that the next thing is going to work either. I actually have no clue. We're going to actually just try it together. And that feels so much better. And I actually tell them that. And so at, at first I tried this and I said, the next thing is going to work. So that's the first step is like, okay, the first <laughs> thing didn't work, but we're going to try the next thing and that's going to work for you. Sure. And now the, the third step, the fully realized mm -hmm. teacher, well, not fully, but we're getting there. <laughs> the fully realized teacher realizes that I can be honest with my student and go, that didn't work. We're going to try something else, else that also might work. And then yep. if that doesn't work, we're going to try something else that, and maybe if none of those things work, I'll spend some time. I'll look, I'll look it up for you and I'll try to come back with the right answer because I don't know everything. I know a bunch of things that might yes. help you and I can lead you down the right example, right? The right path. I can lead you down the right path, but none of the answers might be the right thing. And we might just have to take a break on this subject yeah. and come back to it later. You um, have, you have nailed it on the head. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that I was told early on was kind of like, don't lose confidence in the student. If you don't know something, just, you know, work through it. And then when you get out of the class, deal with your existential crisis afterwards kind of thing. And I found early on that what I was doing is I was teaching and I took on a lot of students right from the, right from the get go. Cause that's just. I bite off far more than I can chew all the time. Yeah. And uh, I took on a bunch of students and I would teach them and then I would go home and on my way home, I'd be on the phone with my wife or my mom being like, ah, I don't know what I'm doing. Like all the time. Oh, it sounded <laughs> right. like Ray, uh, Ray Romano, apparently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. Uh, but uh, <laughs> as, I'm, as I progressed, I had learned that what actually happens is when you tell the student, you know what? None of this is working. Give me a moment. I'm going to take a week to, to research this and see what else is going on. What am I not seeing right now? Instead of them losing uh, uh, faith in your skills, I've had every student I've done that with go, oh, wow, okay, that's really cool. Like he's taking the time out to care so much that he's researching for me and he's going to learn more about, like he's going to find out more of this information. He's not a person yes. that's just going to be like, well, you're hopeless. <laughs> like, yeah. And a couple students have said, teachers in the past have said to them, listen, singing's not for you. You can't seem to figure this out. So just go and do another hobby. And when they come into me, I'm like, no, that's not true. It's just, we haven't found it yet. And my thing I always say to students and any student that I have that listens to this will know, I say the term, uh, there's only one way we're going to find out. There's only one way we are going to find out. You're going to try it and it's going to work. Or it's not going to work. I remember one student I worked with. Exactly. Uh, he had a very breathy voice, just always singing, talking, everything. And in the beginning, because uh, it was kind of early on uh, in my in my career of teaching, and I just yeah. I tried so many things, so many things, and nothing seemed to get those vocal folds to press together until one day 
the 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 girl I took the master class from, um, I talked to her about it, and she had said she's like, oh yeah, that sounds like he has a sulcus. And I went, what is that? <laughs> and what it is is it's where one vocal fold has a bow. So it's an actual physical issue that you were working with. That's correct. So it never actually closes and it always has air escape. And then she's like, yeah, that sounds like that's a problem. He should go see an ENT, sent him, had it. <laughs> and then afterwards I talked to her and I was like, like a year, <laughs> a year I, could, I, I couldn't figure this out. And she's like, yeah. Well, she's like, of course you wouldn't know. You're not, you're not an ENT, but right. Um, she's like, yeah, that's you're, you're, you're fighting an uphill battle. That's just not, not achievable. That's a whole different problem in itself that needs yes. a, another level of an expert to deal with that. And went to one, got that level of, came back and suddenly things just started coming together a, right. lot, a lot better. Well, that's great to hear for that student. I'm glad they mm. figured that out. And it makes me think, um, I run into issues like this all the time where you're working with a student for a year, two years, and you're both kind of hitting your head against the wall like, hey, you sound, you've got a great voice. It's just this one thing is mm. always in your voice, that's like say the breathy voice or, or some kind of straining in the voice. It's always there and we've tried everything and it makes that, that's a perfect example of something that I've never heard of. I've never heard of a sulcist before. I, 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 hadn't, it, I hadn't heard of one either up until that point. It's a perfect example of how we're not perfect and we can do research and how we can learn to be better. And it doesn't mean that we're imposters. It means that you don't know this very specific medical term that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with just singing. Yeah. It's a medical condition within yes. your vocal folds and it's up to us to eventually learn that. But if you, before you learn it, you're just dealing with a breathy singer and. Which is something that you deal with all the time. Yeah. Breathy singers are things that are very common. So all of a sudden when you hit this wall and you're constantly hitting it, uh, what I've, what I've said to myself now is it's like, okay, we're hitting a wall. It, it don't immediately run to it's yourself. Cause it could be a medical issue. It could be the fact that they're sick. It can just be, they're just having an off day. They didn't sleep well the night before, acid reflux, like they just ate, like whatever. Yeah. It, it's it's 99% of the time, not about you. And exactly. it's actually about that situation, that student, whatever. And I'm, I'm sure you've seen this with other students. <laughs> They'll say the common uh, famous thing. When I practice this at home alone, I do great. But as soon as I come in here with you and try to do it, it falls apart. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's because they're, they're panicking. They're, they're nervous. Yeah. And I've got a lot of thoughts about that because at first I didn't really take that in. I just went like, okay, so you sing, you sing differently at home. I've realized, of course you sang differently at home. You weren't one-on-one -on -one with a teacher inside of a room where you're sitting facing someone mm -hmm. expecting you to sing to them who someone's is watching you. Someone's watching you who is apparently an expert in their field, according to the student. Mm-hmm. And of course you're going to sing differently. And I watch out for that. Now, if someone says I've sung completely differently at home, that tells me a lot before mm -hmm. it told me not a lot. I just said, okay, so you're nervous today, but if you're performing completely different at home, 
then that's a whole other set of issues. You've got anxiety about performing. You've got performance yeah. anxiety potentially. Yes. Um, although I'm not going to diagnose that, but that's a potential uh, thing that they're they're dealing with. And so, yes. you know, and then a solution to that, of course, would be to record themselves at home so we can hear when they are at their best. What does their voice sound like? And if they're dealing with the same issues, let's say that breathy singer or mm -hmm. that straining singer, then maybe they're dealing with the same thing at home and they just think that they're better at home. Okay. But maybe they bring in that recording and yes. and they are completely different and you realize it's really only that I'm observing you now and all of these issues that I'm trying to solve are solved by you feeling confident. So really it's a confidence issue yeah. and nothing to do with the actual anatomy of your voice. Yeah. Dude, you're nailing it on the head in that sense. Like that that happens all the time where they're, oh, it's so much better at home. They come here and it's fun. Like what's going on? You record it, you come back, you're like, oh, it's still there. And they're like, well, I can't hear it. I know you can't hear it. Of course you can't hear it. You, you haven't discovered what it sounds like. You haven't discovered the sensory of it. You haven't discovered any of that. You don't have that feedback from somebody who does know it. Yeah. Um, on an opposite end, what I tell students uh, uh, quite often is when I hear something in their voice and we're working with something, I'll see a moment where like they'll kind of switch a little bit and start to feel a little bit more vulnerable, like a little less vulnerable and a little bit more like kind of reserved or closed off. And I'll be right. like, listen, here's the thing. I've been doing this for a long time, so I can hear this little thing in your voice. Promise you, nobody in your life has any clue that you do it. Nobody does because they're not voice specialists. They don't hear it. We're working with this because we hear it. We know it but nobody else does. And I'll say a clear example is uh, if the student's been there for a little while, I'm like, think of when you were listening to singers before. And now when you listen to a singer, I hear students say it all the time, but they say, oh my God, I can hear this in their voice. I hear them do this, I hear them. You didn't hear any of that before because you didn't have that knowledge yet. Exactly. That's a very common experience where now you can start to hear things that you didn't hear before and then if you can hear it in another singer, you can hear it in your own voice eventually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the whole concept of, of taking lessons and learning. It's allowing yourself to be vulnerable, allowing yourself to make mistakes, allowing yourself to, as you said, experiment. We'll try this, didn't work. Let's try the next one, didn't work. Let's try the next one, didn't work. I'll figure it out, come back with stuff. We'll try this. And then eventually something's gonna land, even if it's as far as, I talked to a, uh, like a doctor <laughs> and they said, you should go see them. Uh, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're dealing with this whole different thing. Great. That's fantastic. So now we know more stuff about that. Um, Great. and yeah. that's, that's the whole concept of, of learning. That's, that's what all this is. That's what all this is. And to bring it around the, when the student comes in and they're coming in and they don't consider themselves a singer, they feel like an imposter coming in to take lessons. That's the last thing that I'm thinking about. I'm not thinking they're an imposter. I'm thinking, wow, this is someone with a with a new voice or a fresh voice. Or, mm -hmm. um, or I'm thinking, wow, this is someone who's new to singing and is a blank canvas to which they can start experimenting, on which they can start experimenting with different yes. sounds, different colors with their voice, yes. and learning how to just use their voice. And I don't consider them an imposter mm -mm. because they're doing, they're honestly trying to advance their voice or to get the voice they wanted to, or be happy with their singing. Well, I, 
So we I need want... to learn this as a, I guess, I, I, I still think about this every day. Yes. Because I don't think of other people like that. I would never think of any of my mm -mm. students like that, but I think of myself like that all the time as an imposter. I want you to know that there has never been a point in time in the time I've known you that I've ever seen you as that, that I've ever seen you as anything less than an extremely talented, incredibly intelligent person. Um, and, uh, and very nice and very sweet person as well. Uh, well, but, you're too kind. <laughs> thank you. Uh, but I, one of the reasons I wanted you on this podcast is because I value the conversations we have. I value the voice that you, you have your thoughts and everything. And I think we, we share a pretty common bond in those kind of, uh, thought processes. And yes, I want to tell you that I am incredibly over the moon proud of every single thing that you've done up to this point your valleys have not only brought you to your peaks but they've literally slingshotted you <laughs> above the peaks and into the stratosphere it's a long way fall back down but it's gonna fire you back out again exactly and, uh yeah dude I, I i am incredibly proud of you well, i really appreciate those words matt thank you so much it, it means a lot yeah yeah and Thank you for coming on this podcast. Thank you for having me. I really appreciated being on here. It was so nice to have a chat with another person in the in the vocal sphere about yeah. things that everyone deals with that's not even in music. Anyone yes. who's not even in the music sphere, um, everyone deals with this imposter syndrome of not knowing, uh, of feeling like you are not the right person for your field. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, no one is and everyone is at the same time and there's so many different ways to be in the world so if you have dedicated your time to it then you deserve to be there exactly. um and that's and that's how it is and that is no different for you you've put your time in you deserve to be here for every minute that you are uh, and you know what i'll say this before we go oh okay. you mentioned getting me on the podcast and your thought process behind that and being excited to have me on and when you asked me I immediately, guess what, surprise, felt like an imposter coming on here because <laughs> I've never been on a podcast before specifically. Mm -hmm. And I've also never been asked or interviewed about being a teacher or, or, mm -hmm. or singing or because I've never, I've never done that before. I, I, have, I don't have the experience. I felt yeah. like an imposter. So coming in here, I was already nervous to yeah. even accept it. I, I thought the first thing was, was let's delay this and make it so that maybe I, uh, maybe Matt forgets about it and uh, mm -hmm. forgets about the interview. And then maybe I'll never have to be on a podcast that I always wanted to do. I always wanted to be on a podcast, always wanted to make one. And here we are with the opportunity. And I've, I almost again, pushed it off or said no because I thought, well, that's, I'm not like the person that's on the podcast. I listen to sure. multitudes of podcasts. I listen to thousands, hundreds of podcasts, I think, in, in over the course of a year. <laughs> Yet uh, me being on a podcast would never think about it. So there's, a, there's an example literally just today that I felt. How do you feel now syndrome. having done it? Great, relaxed. I Do feel like we've just spoken as two people and and i feel like we we were just talking yeah 
And it also helps that we're already friends and we already knew each other. So that's great. Some, some it's people, great to have a good interviewer too. Yeah, oh, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, some people, when they do interviews, it's very like question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. And it's very much like, here's my question. You give the answer. Great answer. Question number two. Like it's very, it's very like that. And yes, that's, that's very mechanical. It, it makes you feel like I have to have all the answers. This is just a conversation. We had the three prompts the first time you felt it, the most recent time you felt it and how you deal with it. And it's just, we come into this conversation prepared with just those thoughts and just talk, you know, allowing ourselves to open yeah. up, not think we have to know everything and just, and just chat about it. And, uh, you've done just that. So exactly. I appreciate you being here. Uh, and, uh, I care about you deeply. Thanks, Matt. I care about you too. And I really appreciate hey. being on here. <laughs> Thanks, um, dude. So this is the inaugural podcast <laughs> for me, this, not you. This is the start. This is the start is of the it start. all. This is the start of it all. And I might say what an, uh, that, what was I going to say? <laughs> like with all things, when you do them, when you start, let me say that again, like with all things, mm -hmm. when you begin them, you are a beginner, you're not an expert, you know nothing, you think that I can't do this and that mm -hmm. I'm never going to learn how to do it because I'll never do it as good as the people that I'm watching do it, who have been doing it for years. Yeah. And then the more you do that thing, the more you expose yourself to that crappy feeling, the more confidence you have when you encounter it again. The next mm -hmm. time someone asks me on a podcast, maybe I'll have my lighting set up a little faster. Sure. <laughs> maybe I'll uh maybe I won't be so nervous about what I'm gonna say. Sure. Because hey, I've done this before. I know what it's like. Just like with yeah. everything, it's just experience. It's just doing it again and again That's it. until you're no longer nervous about the thing that you're doing. When I first started this, uh one of my one of my influences is Conan O'Brien. And I was like, I, I want like I love his podcast. Conan O'Brien needs a friend. I want to be like yeah. that. And uh, I had to then tell myself, I'm like, I'm not going to be, he's been, he's been on TV for 30 plus years. He's been doing yeah. this for a long time. I'm not going to be there at least not yet, but within time, uh, maybe I will also need friends too. Maybe you will also need friends. Maybe I will also need friends. Hey, we can be friends together. Galen uh, and Matt need a need, need friends. <laughs> need friends. And it's just these voices in my head. Tell me I am better off giving up or giving in instead of letting people down. And now these forces pull me in and make me stay in bed instead of getting up and convincing me that the morning's not my friend. And I know that I'm not the only one who's got. Voices that they try